This is Scott Bakula, and you're listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. He awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own, and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. His only guide on this journey is Al, an observer from his own time, who appears in the form of a hologram that only Sam can see and hear. And so Dr. Beckett finds himself leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong, and hoping each time that his next leap will be the leap home. You are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is episode 85, A Tale of Two Sweeties. Dad! Daddy! Daddy, you're here! Well, it's about time. (laughs) Arriving passenger, Martin Elroy. Please report to the courtesy desk, Martin Elroy. What's that about? What about? They just paged you. Oh, well, I guess I was so excited to see everybody, I didn't hear (laughs) Well, we'll get your bags and meet you at the curb. But don't take too long. I've got a pot roast in the oven and something special for dessert. Come on. Welcome, Daddy. Attention, please. This is the final boarding. Oh, boy. Ta-da! Here we are. Here they are. Uh, Where are we staying? Well, I haven't really uh, checked in yet. There, everybody I recommend the Pompano Palace. It's right on the beach. Yeah, the, the Pompano Palace nice place. on the beach is really great. That's beautiful. You tell them that Al Calavici and, um, sent you, and they'll treat you first class. Just tell them Al Calavici sent you. Sent me? What about you? And who's Al Calavici? That man. Oh. He's standing right here. And he's smoking a cigar. Can't you see him? No. Uh, uh, no, no. Uh, I'm Daddy's invisible friend. She can see us. But that's not Daddy. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes, it is. It's, it's Daddy in disguise. And you better get the hell out of here before you know who shows up. Daddy's friend Al wants us to go now. He says someone's looking for Daddy. Marty, have you been gambling again? Al, I'm a bigamist. Can you believe this? I got a wife in Brooklyn and a wife in Pompano Beach. Yeah, it seems like a great setup. Uh, unless they meet. That's what Ziggy says you're here to do, is to keep them apart. For how long? Don't know. Well, I was talking to the real Marty. I think I found a new idol. Idol, Al. The guy's a bigamist. I know. I know, but think about it. If I had tried that, I could have... I could have gone through ten wives instead of five. Al, I got Rachel and her kids to the hotel. I got Ellen and her kids to the house. Uh-huh. They didn't bump into each other. I did what I was supposed to do. Now, why haven't I leaped? Well, that's not what you were supposed to do. But that's what you said I was no, supposed was to do. No, that was just the first part. Now, Ziggy's saying there's a 75% chance that you're here because Marty's only supposed to have one wife. What? 
All right, okay. Well, then, then which one? The odds are 50-50. Um, 50. Oh, boy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. I'm Christopher DeFilippis. I'm Alison Pregler. And I'm Matt Dale. And today we will be discussing the season five episode, A Tale of Two Sweeties, in which Sam flirts with bigamy, polygamy. It was a weird topic for a Quantum Leap episode. I'm going to put it there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they'd been everywhere else over five years. This this had to come up at some point, right? Did it? <laughs> I, just, I just loved looking at the talking points that you put yeah. in the in the rundown. <laughs> I can always tell when you hate an episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very funny that you say that, because um, usually I like to get your initial impressions, guys, but I'm going to give you my initial impressions on this one. I don't hate this episode. Really? I have, like, cognitive dissonance with this episode. <laughs> it's like, Ooh, I, I feel like I don't words, like fella. it. Yeah, I, I don't like it as much as I should, but I don't dislike it as much as I should either. So... I mean, there are some issues with it, I guess. You can tell with what I put down, Allison. Mm -hmm. But some of that was also like trying to rack my brains to think about, okay, really, what are the talking points for this one? And it turns out there, in my mind, are quite a few, but they tend to be a bit dark. So mm. anyway, uh, initial impressions, Allison? Um, I mean, I guess I'm kind of in the same boat. It's kind of stupid and confusing, isn't it? <laughs> mm. <laughs> I mean, it's not confu- I get what they're doing. It's kind of confusing how to feel about it, because it's kind of dumb. <laughs> it's kind of a dumb episode. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know, do I like this? I guess. <laughs> I think it's funnier than stand-up, and I didn't really like stand-up that much. So it's kind of all over the place. And what about you, Matt? Can I be the first to say that this episode has pluses and minuses? Pluses and minuses. I love this episode. It's dumb, but it knows it is. Yeah, it's it's a really fun, silly episode. And it doesn't need a deeper dive than that. Let's let's just let's just finish there. Okay, should podcast we, should we, over. Should we wrap and go to the next episode? Uh, liberation. <laughs> liberation. Now that's going to be a romp. <laughs> I'm looking at who wrote this. Robin Bernheim. Yeah. Uh, was a, a, a producer on the Princess Switch, uh, some of the Christmas Prince movies. Wow. Uh, on Boy. Voyager as well. Um, the producer for the last season of uh, Quantum Leap and Tequila and Benetti. <gasps> of course, my new favorite show. <laughs> <laughs> um, she also wrote um, Leaping of the Shrew, uh, Deliver Us from Evil, as well as a couple more episodes coming up. Hmm. Goodness. It had odd to me that she wrote Leaping of the Shrew, which to me was the standout comedy episode, not only of season five, but maybe for the entire series. So she can write funny stuff. And I get it. This one it was a farce. It was a total sort of slapstick. Uh, it was supposed to be wacky. And it was supposed to be like more akin with like Three's Company, I think, than a serious Quantum Leap episode. But I just couldn't help latch on to some of the more serious stuff that we were seeing that was underlying all of this comedy. Don't do that, Chris. That's the problem. If if you do that, the whole episode falls apart. Just enjoy it for what it is. It's simple <laughs> and joyous. So that's my fault. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> And I appreciate the whole point of this podcast is that we, we review and we analyse and we dig deep. But I, yeah, I don't think this episode is intended 
<laughs> I mean, that wacky Marty stealing it from his own children again. Oh. Um, I think this episode was exactly what it was intended to be. It was like very old fashioned comedy. Yeah. And I think unlike uh, stand up, it worked better because it's it's really difficult to write stand up comedy uh, in a in a like narrative story. To be like, this is funny because we said it was funny, rather than like, you know, a lot of this is very old shtick, but it's shtick that works. Yeah. So, mm. yeah, yeah. It's dumb, but it's supposed to be dumb. I love the fact that, and uh, sorry, because I got a feeling one of you guys is going to pick up on this later, and I'm, I'm jumping ahead already, but just when you're talking about the old shtick, I love the, the, the flipping screen transitions that they do. That just immediately <laughs> says to you, they know what they were doing. They were going for something old school. You know, it's funny, I hadn't even been conscious of that. I know I saw it, I know I watched it, and I enjoyed it, but I didn't even think about it until this very moment. Yeah. And it's just because everything about the episode, and I, I think the comparison with stand-up is is perfect because, yeah, you're you're right. Stand-up, they're trying to do comedy that the rest of the characters, the, the, the background characters, the audience are saying, oh, that's funny because they're on stage making jokes. This is something for the audience to enjoy and very much in the style of the time uh, with, with all those little tropes um, included. Great stuff. You know what I found the the funniest part of this episode? It's not even like a big comedy line. It's just kind of a throwaway, but I like laugh every time is when uh Sam's in the the lobby at the theater and like Al's like, "Where's your ice cream bar?" <laughs> <laughs> they look down and he goes, "Oh, oh man, no. you stepped on your ice cream bar." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me. <laughs> I just feel like they just you know, let's let's cram another joke right in here. Because why not? <laughs> it also gave them a nice transition to, uh, you know, introduce yet more evil Italians. So it was the perfect segue. <laughs> Gus, don't you hate it when they do that? Don't you hate it when they say that? I forgot it. I left it in my other pants. I had to bail my Aunt Frida out of jail. <laughs> yeah, that's with um, one of the uh, Magnum PI guys, Vic. He was like a regular on that. Uh, that's all I know about Magnum P.I. Is I've never seen Magnum P.I., but I know that he's on there. So. Well, Vic was played by Larry Minetti, so if there are some Magnum fans out there, maybe you can tell us who Vic was, who Larry he was. He was in 158 episodes, so he was pretty prominent on that one. I'm going to say he was T.C. <laughs> I don't know who the Magnum... He wasn't Higgins, I know that. All the uh, all the knowledge I have of Magnum was reading Magnum parodies in Cracked Magazine in the 80s, so... Yeah. So that's about it. I think TC was labeled Tee in that because I think it was probably Mag Dumb or something like that. That <laughs> sounds about right. <laughs> that's so funny. Hey, I loved Crack the Magazine. But, uh, John Severin was a brilliant <laughs> artist. Far superior to Mad Magazine. Don't at me. Anyway. <laughs> okay. The discourse has begun. <laughs> Shut fired. Wow, we really are... <laughs> Pulling at the uh, the strands of comedy here tonight, aren't we? <laughs> uh. I liked kind of the the dad joke that like um, Sam pulls out when he's giving the rewards to the kids, and they're all just like things he took from the hotel, and then he gives him like a shoehorn. That's what you got me last time. But you got two feet, right? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That was a pretty quick save. <laughs> I like that. Oh, that's a good line. 
There's so many good lines. This oh, this episode is just great. I'm, I'm actually liking it more, even as we're talking about it. I mean, I laughed at it. I can't say it's bad. I'm just like, I don't know. I'm like, do I like the like? Am I laughing at it or with it? What? Am, <laughs> where am I at? And my thing was, I knew I was supposed to be laughing at these things, but I didn't, and I couldn't figure out why. And then as I thought about it more. I think that the lighthearted um, nature of the episode really masks a lot of dark themes. A lot of significant family issues are on display here Mm -hmm. that I think would have been dealt with far differently in a non-comedy episode. And maybe Mm -hmm. that's where part of my disconnect came in. Because Marty is not a good guy. No. And I know we play Marty for laughs as like the hapless gambler who's a bumbling liar. But... He's, I guess that's why it ended like it was. Like, Sam's just like, he's a piece of shit. The end. <laughs> yeah. No one deserves him. <laughs> Except poor wife number three. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was a really dumb ending. It also contradicts everything Al just tells him, so. Oh, get this. Get this. Marty cleans up his act and makes a bundle on the lecture circuit talking about his story. Yeah, why didn't Al come up with any more, like, marriage licenses? He had it on the other ones. Why wouldn't he know about the third one? And why would he say that Marty went and went on the lecture circuit and cleaned up? So even Marty gets rewarded at the end of this for a shitty behavior and no consequences. He only had one one wife by the end. Maybe everything worked out for him. He got better. (laughs) Yeah, that that one wife was what he needed to, uh, yeah. His one wife and his six kids. <laughs> yes, Goodness gracious. I mean, I and again, I don't, I don't want to come across as, oh, here comes the party pooper, here comes Mister Serious. But I mean, you got a polygamist, a gambler, and a thief. Mm-hmm. He's basically a predator taking advantage of the people who trust him most. And Sam is put into this impossible position of trying to appease them, and. Like, just the constant behavior that Marty has is on full display, and it's basically resting on the the shoulders of his children, who are giving him money. And Mm -hmm. I know, again, some of it was supposed to be funny. I think it was the one Josh, the one who played Josh, the the kid Josh. He was the one that lived in Florida. Um, Mm -hmm. He was one of Ellen's kids. And, you know, he's just, like, giving him money, and he lets him in the house to take a shower, and he says, yeah, but we're going to have to check your pockets on the way out. Ha ha, what a laugh. It's like, Yeah, what? when, like, when the, the littlest one, Jessica, when she's, like, trying to put the quarter in the massage-o-matic, and then, like, or whatever the coin she was going to put in there, and then, like, she, like, thinks he's going to steal it from her. She's <laughs> like, I'm not a sucker. Yeah. It's like, ha funny? <laughs> Well, why don't we delve into those kids a little bit? Because I know I dunked a little bit on poor Kimberly Column in our trilogy episodes, and we did bring up the track record of child actors on Quantum Leap in general. And Matt, your joke was it was nice at least to see a kid actor that didn't have the surname Belisario. Well, (laughs) 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 again, he's been on the show before. This is what, David Mm. Belisario? No, this is Michael Michael. Belisario. He played Marty Jr. There is a David, right? He was in another one. Or is that David Belisario? He's a different uh, person on the show. <laughs> was he involved in some capacity? I want to say he's one of the producers or something. Yeah, I think he's like the supervising producer. Oh, I see. I was confusing things. Uh, yeah, yeah, Michael Belisario. He was in um, Kamikaze Kid before. Yes. I believe that was his other episode. Was Playball also him? 
Oh, he's the one that walks in yes. on him when he's like making out with the lady. Yeah. He's the old boy. Maybe. I know for sure he's in Mirror Image. And so is the kid who played Josh, J.D. Daniels. Yeah, Kamikaze could play Ball, Taylor Two Sweeties, and Mirror Image. Yeah, that's what it was. He doesn't actually have that many acting credits, but they do include Tales of the Golden Min- Monkey, Quantum Leap, Jag, NCIS. Hmm, hmm, there's I'm a pattern <laughs> What a coincidence. Oh. I wonder how that happened. <laughs> he does seem to have like a, a bunch of stuff in the works right now, so it seems like he's... Oh, and Last Rites, which is also a Belisario thing. Oh, right, as Michelangelo Belisario. Yes. You know what? That's a powerful name. I didn't realize Michael was short for Michelangelo. Just name your kid Michelangelo? Hell yeah. Uh, but in Tales of the Golden Monkey, he was credited as Michael and then the middle name Angelo. So which of those is correct? Do you think he was compressing them for last rites? For the coolness of the name? Oh, man. <laughs> or maybe split it out for Tales of the Golden Monkey. What's the truth here? Is this going to be another one of these John Diakinos that just, yeah, just, just <laughs> whatever name sounds cool at the time. He's pulling a, um, yeah, there's an, an actor, uh, Gregory Allen Williams. He's been in a ton of stuff, but he was a regular on Baywatch for a long time. And when he went on Baywatch Nights, for some inexplicable ne- reason, they shortened his name to Gregolin Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Gregolin? Yeah, Gregolin. I don't know. Maybe they thought it was cooler, but he went back to his normal name and everything else. <laughs> He's just Gregolin for that one show. <laughs> Michelangelo's cooler, though. <laughs> Sounds like his old grandma. Gregola. Gregola, star on the show. Gregolin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think... What, what did you guys think of the child actors in this? Their acting ability. You were dunking on, on some of the ones from the past. Brilliant. I thought they were great. I thought Stunning. every one of them was terrific. And I think Shay Estar, who played Mary, who was the five-year-old, mm. um, that could see mm. Sam and could see Elle, I thought she was the best part of the whole episode. I thought she and, – and Michael Belisario was the second best um, part, in Ashley, my opinion. Ash, no, no, no. I was just going to correct you on the name. Wasn't it Ashley Peldon that could Ashley see? Ashley Peldon was Jessica. She played um, – Jessica was the littlest one. Yeah. So she was the one that could see No, Sam. no. It was Marty and Mary – wasn't it? Shay Astor is the blonde one. She turns up later in Star Trek, so I recognized her. Shay Astor Ash- was the littlest one. N- no. Ashley no. Peldon was Jessica. I, honestly, look at her picture. Shay Astor, I just, I'm going with what I saw on IMDb. Look, I okay, it. if you go to Ashley Peldon's IMDb page, don't look at her adult picture, look at one of the black and white ones, you will see the same little girl. Like, there's one from something called The Mommies. <laughs> You could see it's the littlest. So maybe I switched it. So we're going to have to redo all of that because I suck. The whole episode. <laughs> it's Jessica. I remember because I, I wrote it. I wrote it down when I was watching it. I went like, Jessica, little one, you know, like, <laughs> like to remember which kids were which. I can't remember the, the kids' names, so I wasn't even going to correct you on that. It was just a fact. Well, and, re- and Mary and Martin were the, the siblings with uh, Ellen. Because of the Peter Pan joke. Go, 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 go. Hang on. Shay Astor. It says Quantum Leap. She plays Mary. Right. I, I can't remember which one's which out of Mary and Jessica. I just know that Shay Astor it was, Marty and Mary. was the older girl. Where, where, where the dark haired kids. <laughs> Mary and Martin are the ones with Are the Ellen. ones in the hotel room. The ones then. They're Ma- the ones with Ellen because they, the say Peter Pan, they say Peter Pan was big. Right. Because Mary Martin played Peter Pan. That's why Mary and Martin are the kids there. The, with Josh and the littlest one, which is Jessica. <laughs> I'm so confused. They're with, the, with Rachel. And that's what. And Shay Astor plays Mary. 
<sighs> Why are you saying Shay Astor plays Mary? Because it says it right here on IMDb. I know, but why are you saying it? No one's arguing. You are. You said that she played Jessica. You said Ashley no, Peldon. No, I didn't. I said Ashley Peldon did. Matt did. I, I, I can't remember the names of the characters. Wait, All I'm saying you. is Shay Astor is the older girl. The younger no, she's, girl. No, she's not. <laughs> Shay Astor is the little girl. Look, Shay go, Astor Go onto Facebook and look bl- at the link that I've just sent you. You are not telling me that's the little dark-haired girl. Chris, the character Jessica is the little one that says that the invisible friend is Al and with the no. massage-o-matic, and that's no, Ashley Peldon. No. If you go to Ashley Peldon's IMDb page, I'm if not you saying look that, at it... Then I'm confusing the girls. Mary, I thought, the little was, girls. The, was the little one that was running away. No, look at this. This is a picture of Ashley Peldon <laughs> wow, as a little girl on her IMDb page. She plays Jessica. I wrote down Jessica is the little one in my notes several times. <laughs> that's who it is. I don't think that's her. You don't think that's her? <laughs> what are, you're an insane person. <laughs> you're an insane person. <laughs> I think I screwed it up. I feel like I'm losing my mind. <laughs> I did screw it up. It's me. <laughs> God. Oh, there we go. That was what I've been trying to send. She I don't was know why the one. That, yeah, she was on Star Trek. It's like yeah. the uh, <laughs> she was the invisible friend in that Star Trek yes. one. She was like an evil little girl in an episode. I remember that. So all mm. I can say, I'm still confused to who's who. All I can say is that's Shay Astor, and names. I'll be on me besides that. All right. So then did Michael Belsaro play Marty or Josh? He was Marty. Okay. All right. I don't I don't know. So who's who again? <laughs> I, I'm going to get the script. <laughs> Michael well. Belisario is Marty. It's Marty. Shea Are we Astor. keeping all of this? I think we should keep all of this. <laughs> Mary is the blonde Star Trek girl. <laughs> Jessica is the little massagematic girl. <laughs> Massage. Oh, don't call her that. That's dubious. The little one who played with the massagematic. You know no, what I mean? You. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it to sound creepy. And that's and who is that in real life? Jessica in real life is Ashley Peldon. That's and that's the massagematic. Rachel, Rachel, Josh, and Jessica are one family. Rachel, Josh, and Jessica. Yeah, it's easy to remember if you think of Mary Martin for the other one, and then the other two are the ones. It's Rachel. Okay, so confused. Okay, so then oh I think God. I. I'm. I'm. Switching things around on the the page. <laughs> I'm not real. I'm not mad at anyone. I just want to clarify. I'm just. <laughs> I feel like I'm going insane. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> have I have I fixed the the rundown now? I have to look. Is, now. is that right? Because I look rundown? at a separate. I look at a separate sheet. <laughs> so let me take a look. Yeah, the rundown is. I... To be fair, we needed it separated out like that before because yeah, I can't remember any of the characters' names. Jessica is Ashley. It's mixed. It's switched. Okay, gotcha. Mary All and right. Jessica on the rundown <laughs> are the wrong names. <laughs> wow, I derailed the entire show because of Mary. that. <laughs> Hang on, I've I've just switched that. Was that wrong? Are you switching them back? You switched it to the wrong ones. Now you did what I, what I did, apparently. Well, no, that's... This, these are the correct ones. This is what IMDb says. <laughs> but it's... <laughs> but it's not Rachel. I'm looking at the script. It's Rachel, Josh, and Jessica are a family. Okay, maybe yeah. the family names are... Maybe the grouping is wrong, but the names of the characters... Well, that's why I've, I've just I've just done the grouping. That wasn't on the original listing. Yeah, but it was Josh and Jessica were part of the same family. Yeah, so that's why I switched them, which... It, 
You've now well, you didn't switched. switch the actor names, you just switched the character names. No, I, I did both. I switched the character names and I moved them around. You didn't switch the... And I also I think that it was Ellen, Josh, and Jessica, and Rachel, and Marty, and... Oh, hang on. <laughs> I officially don't care anymore. I know which kids are which. You guys are the ones that are confused. I will continue to say the correct names, and you will sound like silly, silly people. <laughs> That's what I'm going to go with. I really think it was Rachel, Morty, and Mary, Look, and Ellen, and Josh, and Jessica. Oh my goodness me. Just say the little one. <laughs> Just say the little one. We've been going on for half my life now. Right. Guys, look at what I've just sent you there. Oh, God. This, this is from the script. Unless they change them around after the script. You, the, actors, the actors are still wrong. <laughs> But then the actors Ashley are wrong Peldin in the first place. Actually, playing Jessica Shea Ashtar playing oh. Mary. Yeah, hang I on. know the scripts. You have the groupings right. You just have the actors wrong. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I still think How that it's... How did Marty keep it all straight? No one can remember which kids are which. Because Rachel's kids are Josh, 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 and Jessica. Okay, Rachel, Josh, and Jessica, right. And Ellen is Marty and Mary. Okay. So so they both have kids that have, like, matching initials. Right. Okay. That makes it easy. Josh and Jessica, Marty and Mary. And have we killed Allison? What's wrong? This is not that hard. But I just, I don't know how I managed to screw it up while I was fixing Chris's feet. Chris, you have, for the sake of posterity, you have to keep all of this. <laughs> and then there's a third family out of all juggling stuff. <laughs> I think all this proves I would be a horrible Morty. Oh my god. <laughs> And Sam is the hologram played by Dean Bakula, right? <laughs> oh, oh, God. oh my god. I, I love how you'd carefully noted these ones down as kids. And and that's not yeah, the bit that what, confused us. Kids. Kid. Yeah. Kid. I don't even know where we are, so I can cut back into what, our original conversation. Oh, uh, okay, if I if I could bring it back to the episode, please. <laughs> the little one, um, her scenes with Al, um, I thought were good. They were great. That was probably the best part of the episode for me. <clears throat> the the bit where she's yeah uh-huh. she's gonna run away um, is yeah it, it's great seeing Dean doing the the sweet thing that. On the, the rare occasions he gets to mingle with child actors, he's so adorable. Are you coming home with us, Al? No, I don't think so, sweetheart. You could be my daddy. I don't really have a daddy. Well, I didn't have a daddy either, or a mommy. Did that make you feel sad? Oh, oh, very sad. I used to think about what it would be like to have a mommy. Someone who loved me and would take care of me and sang me to sleep and hugged me and told me everything was okay. That's what my mommy does. She does. Why do you suppose she does that? Because she loves you more than anything. 
I see you again, Al? I don't know. You don't need me, honey. But you need your mommy. And most important, your mommy needs you. So, you're gonna promise me you're gonna take care of her? I promise. Will you? And you, you won't run away? No. Okay. Bye, Al. Bye. You can see a visible knee pad underneath Dean Stockwell in that scene. <laughs> a what? Yeah, if you look at that scene, there's like a pad under his knee, you know, because he's going to be doing a lot multiple takes. You, you can see it. It was probably uh, outside of the safe zone uh, on a, a TV back then. But yes, yeah. mm-hmm. I hadn't spotted that. It's funny because that's the one part of the episode that I was truly and genuinely moved by. I thought that Dean just knocked it out of the park with that scene. And since to me that little girl was pretty much the the only really intriguing part of the whole episode, I guess maybe because she could see Sam and Al. And um, maybe she just had some of the best stuff to play off them with, even though Michael Balsario I thought was very good too. That scene with Al, it, it was almost redemptive because – Hell's character in this is just not the greatest. Um, <laughs> no. Al's, Al's awful. I mean, he's basically saying, bigamy? Fuck yeah. Awesome. Why didn't I think of that? I don't know why. See, I get why he's like, oh, two women, great. But also, I would think after so many marriages, he'd be like, two wives? Oh, what a headache. Well, this this is the interesting thing. And Alison, I know you, you love the draft scripts as well. I don't know if you picked up on this change that... <clears throat> that ran through the drafts. The original, the, there's a line that he says in the show, which is, I could have gotten through 10 wives instead of five, which is, yeah, definitely that does not make Al look good. <laughs> but the original version of that line was, I could have gotten rid of all five wives at the same time, which isn't nice, but it's at least in keeping with the fact that, yeah, he had some shitty marriages and maybe he wishes he'd just got them over and done with as quickly as possible and moved on to a, a happier part of his life. Yeah, I mean, he's made jokes about his wives before, like, disparaging jokes. He's spoken fondly of them quite often, too, but he also didn't remember which one was which or what number they were, so... Through this script's development, someone, somewhere along the line, said, ah, oh, no, let's let's up the ante on that line, and, uh, yeah, change it to, I could have got through ten wives instead of five. So they, they really make him a dick. <laughs> <laughs> There's a line in this, too, this was not in the script, um, where, um... Both wives are at the hair salon and they're telling the story about how one of them, uh, Rachel, she's telling how like one of her friends, her husband ran off with another man. And then Al goes, yuck. That's how she found out her husband was seeing another woman? No, another man. No. Swear. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh, no. Oh, yeah. No. I have that down as like, what? Not in the script. That wasn't in the script. That was just Dean Stockwell improvising. Like, oh, no. I mean, so much for the lessons he might have learned in Running for Honor. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that was just like, um... Just not thinking, because, I mean, it was very casual, very common back then for that kind of joke. But yeah, Hmm. definitely some little bit of homophobia there. Yeah, I can understand it in the moment, because he's trying to listen to a juicy tale of this guy running off with yet another woman. Yeah. Or whatever. So he's all into apparently cheating on your wife, leaving your wife, and uh, marrying two or three or however many people, five at a time, according to the script. (laughs) So the fact that it was another guy derailed whatever fantasy he was having. Maybe that's where the yuck came from. Yeah, he wanted yeah. it to see gay is okay if it's for like the if, if it's for the male gays. If you have like the two women getting together, you know. 
Yeah. <laughs> that too. That, sure. That's the good kind of guy. Yeah. That's the, <laughs> that old that old double standard. <laughs> oh man. Mm. You know, there were like five different drafts of the script that we had copies of, right? There was like yeah. that's like way more than any of the other <laughs> episodes. We had so many drafts. I got sick of reading scripts for Tale of Two Sweeties. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting. There was some big differences in most of them that I noticed, but not between each other, if that makes sense. There there seemed to be quite a big redraft towards the end, but a lot of the changes seemed consistent in the early ones. I just realised I don't think that made any sense, did it? Um, Like, there was a a big uh, redraft near the end. (laughs) I knew what I meant. A sentence ran away from me. (laughs) All of the drafts that we read were pretty similar, but there was a rewrite at some point. Yes. Is that what you're trying to say? That's exactly what I was trying to say, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still I'm still distracted by who which little girl is who. Anyway. Yeah. There was a there was a three stooges festival instead of a cartoonorama in one of the one of the scripts. Not oh, the first right, one yeah. though. They switched it and then they switched it back. So You think they changed it because like cause Scott Bakula always does that like Woody Woodpecker impression? So <laughs> <laughs> just like a, a nod toward toward him. I was wondering if we were going to hear it in this episode. He didn't do it. No, he didn't. He held back. I'm sure that uh, whatever they were looking at in the quote theater that they were filming in was not really on screen. That was probably inserted after the fact. So had he known how they were going to do it in post, right? He probably would have been right up for it. Yeah, he might not have known what it was because they they might have left it open in case they didn't get the rights to use whatever. Or... Exactly. Yeah. So he couldn't be that specific because doesn't he do uh, a Three Stooges impersonation as well? I feel like I've I've seen Sam do like a nyuk nyuk in some mm. episode. I don't remember him doing a nyuk nyuk. For whatever reason, I have an image of Scott Bakula in my head going nyuk nyuk nyuk. <laughs> Scott Bakula's had a wide and varied career. It's, it's entirely plausible. <laughs> I have seen him do the Woody Woodpecker impression in other projects, <laughs> so he was really proud of that one. Yeah, <laughs> isn't it just the laugh, or is it? Does he like do the whole thing? It's just the laugh because he could do. That's all Woody Woodpecker that's all, yeah, has. That's all anyone Woody Woodpecker does. is the worst cartoon <laughs> character. He has nothing. Chris, do you have a Woody Woodpecker impression that is not the laugh? He was an instigator. You got a problem with Woody Woodpecker? Yeah. What, what is he? Some sort of an instigator? <laughs> 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 and no, I don't have any kind of, even with the laugh, I don't have a Woody Woodpecker impersonation. So anyway, uh, what weird things this episode brings to light. That cartoon was seven years old at the time this episode was set. Just thought I'd share that. I, I don't really know what a cartoonorama is. Maybe it was like one of those cheap, you know, dollar theater kind of rerun or whatever the price would be in the 50s. Yeah. You know, like they, they show older stuff for a, a cheaper price. Kind of what I figured. Sounds like something that Marty would be down with. Yes. And the sad, sad fact that everybody thought he was at the track. Yes. Or out placing bets. Uh, just like... <laughs> placing <laughs> bets on lead balloon. <laughs> that's one of my notes. If you're going to have a horse that's 40 to 1, <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe you don't, as a jockey, want to name your horse lead balloon or whoever the horse owner is. That's so funny, though. 
His name's Lead Balloon. You know what? Horse <laughs> names are ridiculous, though. You ever look at lists of horse names? <laughs> oh, they are. They're all like They're insane. ridiculous. Yeah. No, I go I go to the track sometimes in Saratoga, and I'm surprised at the way they. I don't know how they name. What's the horse naming convention? You've been to the horse track. You're such a ridiculous rich person. You know that? <laughs> oh yeah. I bet two dollars a race in Saratoga once every six years. <laughs> you bet. You bet on Lead Balloon. <laughs> Listen, when when I go back and there is a lead balloon, you know I'm betting on lead balloon. <laughs> Apparently, he he's a forty to one shot that that pays off. <laughs> but I, I guess again, leaning into the comedy as opposed to the seriousness or the serious topics on display in the episode, Marty's thumbs should have been broken. <laughs> I mean, the fact that <laughs> Sam bets blindly on a horse race and it comes in forty to one is just the height of ridiculous. Ridiculous. Well, it's time travel. He knew. He used his. No, he uh... didn't. Al specifically. Oh, right. Because Al said he could. That's right. Sam took a leap of faith. But they're not. That was another dumb thing. Well, they're not benefiting back at the project. It's not like they're betting so that Sam can enrich his bank account. Yeah. They're betting so that Sam can rescue the leapy. Yeah, but that's part of the rules. Maybe the the committee who was ever in charge. Maybe they wouldn't like them breaking the rules. That's a stupid rule. Let's just follow the logic here. It was the time traveler should not use knowledge of past events to enrich himself. It's a, it's a hard and fast <laughs> rule, and it's 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 Sam's rule. I love that Al's like, I tried to talk you out of it, but no. <laughs> Al was all for just using time travel for personal gain. He's not using it for personal gain. He's no. using it to get his leapy out of a scrape. Which is the whole point of the show. He uses yeah. his past yeah. and future knowledge to change history. <laughs> yeah, that's dumb. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, it seems quite silly. It was just a, another way for them to put in some dramatic tension. And uh, yes. just the fact that he won a, another way for Marty to, against any common sense or sense of justice or decency, walk away scot-free and benefit from his shitty <laughs> behavior. But, I mean, let me tell you, uh, there is no greater hologram effect that they ever did than Al's face through the TV during that <laughs> horse race. Yes. I'm just going to say, like, that is a great image. <laughs> it was very cute. <laughs> on on the, the topic of Al and effects, um, is this the first time we discover that Al can speak down the phone to Sam? I, no, I think we've had this discussion before. Uh, no, he did. He did it. Has before. he done this it before? Didn't make sense then either. It was in the um, <laughs> last dance before an execution. He was talking through the phone. Oh, of course. Yes. Uh, okay. At least it's consistent then. Yeah, it is consistent. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had a theory that Al's just in the imaging chamber, so Sam can hear him no matter where he might be. Yeah. Because he's tuned into Sam as it is, and he's like Sam doesn't have to be within hearing distance of him to hear him. Yeah, but then all the times he does, Gushy sent me in on some whoever's in trouble, and then he goes back to Sam to say, "Oh, they're stuck down the well." <laughs> you know, if if that was the case, then yeah. so then how does it work that he can be heard down the phone? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Clearly, if there was a phone down the well as well, it wouldn't be a problem. It's only phone lines this works through. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. That, oh, that, um, I have yeah, some more stuff it. about Al here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, um, Chris, are you running out of notes? Is this? I'm out of notes. I'm completely out of notes. And the fact wow. that we talked about the kid already, um, and it, that completely derailed my entire train of thought. So if I'm at sea, it's because I am. <laughs> what, was, what was your original train of thought? <laughs> I don't. Well, I was going to talk more about um, 
not only did I think she was good, but the way they used the fact that she could see Sam and Al in this. But we already sort of haphazardly discussed the discussion at the elevator, and you know what I mean. So I yeah. sort of had I sort of had like a logical through line with that, but I completely derailed myself and the entire show. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we we should have just let. Oh, in fact, I think I was the one that interrupted you and told you you got the name wrong. I should have just let you go and. We could have dealt with it afterwards. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. (laughs) Daddy's in disguise. Daddy's in disguise. Al tells a story uh, about the massage-o-matic bed. Like, he's like, me and Ruthie, we, we, one time we ran one for nine hours. And you think, like, it's going to be, like, a dirty story? I remember one time Ruthie and I were in Cleveland, and we had one of those things running for nine hours straight. There was nothing else to do. There was nothing else to do. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot what he said they were, too. They were, like, in Des Moines or some kind of, like, podunk town. I think that was part of the joke. But you think, like, you know, if he's telling a story about a massage-o-matic bed, it would be, like, something dirty. And he's like, we're just bored. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, the fact that they had the massage-o-matic bed is one of the, quote, comedy undertones of this, which I thought was kind of funny in in the sense that you have Ellen, which is, you know, sort of the the straight-laced 50s housewife. And then you have Rachel, who's supposed to be, like, the sassy one. Yet they both Mm. love to... um, Role play, apparently. Yes. In the bedroom. So apparently Marty has a type, regardless of his uh, <laughs> his polygamy, eventual polygamy that we find, not just bigamy. But I wonder what the uh, third wife is into. <laughs> Didn't they have Naughty Schoolgirl was one? Naughty Schoolgirl night? Tonight's chambermaid night, remember? Was it just a, a coincidence, though? They said that he married Rachel on a bet. How well did he know her? <laughs> Maybe he introduces them to it. Maybe that's that's his thing. Yes. Oh. Hmm. Kind of makes sense if you think that he's a, a polygamist. He's always looking for another woman. Yeah. So even when he's with the women that he's with, he's 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 with another woman. Maybe. I don't know. I'm looking too deeply into what is just a, a dumb joke. That's deep. No, but that's that's <laughs> very true. I'm sure. I like that a large portion of this episode is just like him and Al arguing for one wife or the other. You know, hmm. like they got to decide like which wife, and they have that like. Well, I don't know. Who do you like best? And then Sam chooses Rachel and Al chooses Ellen, which you would think it would be the other way around. Yeah. And both of them are like, what? Rachel? Ellen. Rachel? Yeah. <laughs> but Sam is like, Rachel has more problems. Seems like she needs more help straightening out her life. Ellen seems stronger, you know, more put together. I can fix her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll choose her because you're not going to stick around, Sam, <laughs> to fix all her problems. That is so Sam, though. Yeah. It, it makes absolute sense. It's, it's funny for the comedy moment, but then actually, yeah, it, you can totally buy him going for that. I like when he, he says, like, wait, Rachel was the one with the massage-o-matic bed. And then, and then Al's like, what, is that why you picked her? <laughs> he just seems so, like, confused and offended. On, on a bit of a wider note, that makes me wonder what is so incredibly wrong with Donna that he wanted to spend his life fixing her. He wanted her because he couldn't have her. That's why. He, she's just greedy. If, if, if that's Sam's type. What wasn't wrong with Donna? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Here we go. Here we go for another round. Thank God you said that. We're not going to get the emails now. She had daddy issues. That's what he wanted to fix. True. The daddy issues. Yes, right. Okay, there we go. It she all didn't makes trust sense. men. 
And then he fixed it and he was bored with her because he's like, I already fixed those issues. I'm going to go leap through time now. <laughs> so I'm going to abandon you. You have, you have any more <laughs> trust issues with guys? <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Donna. Speak to you through a star. <laughs> and then just to make it worse, I'm going to promise I'll return home. She bought it, Al. Maybe by the time I get back, you'll need fixing again. <laughs> I'm playing the long game here. <laughs> wow, Sam's a dick. He is kind of a dick sometimes. <laughs> Let's be real here. We're getting deep. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he related to Marty. <laughs> he has a wife at home and then a bunch of women on the side. So in the original history, he realizes that, yeah, Donna's got daddy issues, but it has otherwise presumably gone off and had a happy-ish life. So he invents time travel specifically so that he can go back in time, fix a relationship with her so that he can abandon her. Oh wow. my god! You think Donna was the motivating factor for him creating a time machine? He's like, I have to stop her from leaving me at the altar. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't the dead dad. It was definitely he wanted to make sure Donna stuck by him while he wasn't there. That makes <laughs> Sam a monster. <laughs> he's, he's oh awful. my god! This got so dark. <laughs> he could be a little bit the dead dad. <laughs> no, 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 no. What about the dead brother? Yeah. It's definitely, he wanted to mess up Donna. He, he was the evil leaper all along. Oh my God. Wow. The evil leapers were just trying to stop him from messing time up because his girlfriend left him. Oh man. We're seeing the extreme effects of a genius who's into head games. It's just, it's Byzantine. <laughs> There's a follow-up evil leaper episode coming that uh, where they, they leap into that college in the the 60s or whatever and meet donna and say yeah if if that professor says let's go on a road trip just don't don't do it don't do it they're just trying to undo the stuff that he messed up yes (laughs) oh my god (laughs) mind blown (laughs) if let me tell you if i found out that, like, my boyfriend or, like, an ex of mine invented a time machine to go back in time and try and get us back together. It'd be pretty pissed off, <laughs> to be honest. Respect her wishes, Sam. Maybe there were some issues. Maybe he, like, left his, like, dirty clothes on the floor after showers or the toilet seat up. Or maybe he was just, like, an idiot and she's like, I don't want no part of this. He doesn't know. He just guessing it was daddy issues. I think we saw it was daddy issues, though. Maybe her daddy left the toilet seat up and left his dirty clothes on the floor. She had daddy issues. I'm not I'm not erasing the daddy issues. <laughs> I'm just saying that maybe there was something up with Sam, perhaps because he's the type of guy to invent a time machine and try and undo a breakup, that maybe she didn't want to be with him anymore. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. <laughs> which kid was which again? <laughs> <laughs> I think Jonathan was the little girl. <laughs> we, we had Michelangelo, Gregolin, <laughs> the professor, and Marianne. <laughs> hey, can, can you guys answer this question for me? I, this is a big question I had through this episode. Maybe I missed something. What was the original history? <laughs> what happened before Sam jumped in? I don't know if they ever said. They just said that what he has to do. They just said, like, they come in and then Al's like, you got to make sure they don't meet. It's like, did they meet? Did they? Did he end up with one of them before? What happened? Well, Al says, doesn't, doesn't Al say that he's there to 
or he believes he's there to choose between them. So I got to assume that in the original history, Marty was successful somehow in keeping them apart. So for like the rest of their lives, like he just had two wives. That just seems unsustainable. Or no, three (laughs) wives, because you have to think think that if Marty had even pulled it off, he would have successfully somehow been juggling both Ellen and Rachel in the original history in that Florida setting. And then the third wife will have come in, um, even though Sam changed the history. So they'll be three now to contend with that he apparently pulled off so well that Ziggy didn't even know there was a third. If he pulled it off, though, why did Ziggy think he needed to keep them apart? Unless Sam was screwing it up by being there. It could be. Uh, it's just the farce. Don't look too deeply. <laughs> Usually they say, like, here's why, what you need to fix and why it went badly, but they don't ever say. Yeah, but you, you guys read, like, what, five draft scripts you said? So did that ever come up in any of them? No. <laughs> Not that I remember anyway. <laughs> no, I don't remember either. All right. Well, then. It just seemed like, what are, what are the stakes here? And then, like, when they bring in the gambling plot, like, it's like, okay, what, is that part of the original history? That, like, Marty would have gotten two broken thumbs? or Who knows? Marty m- might have done the same thing that Sam did. He bet on the lead balloon, too? That seems like <laughs> something a desperate, degenerate gambler would do. Wouldn't Al say, like, oh, in the original history, this is what happens? So Sam had an idea of, like, how much danger he's in? Or if he's like, oh, it was fine in the end. Okay, I guess I won't worry. That would have been using knowledge of the past to help Sam. (laughs) (laughs) Ziggy is kind of useless, except Ziggy goes, like, get the hell out of the window. (laughs) It's, like, a useful bit of information, I guess. It could get that specific, but then, like, Ziggy, she had nothing for... I was, it just seemed weird that, like, what are the stakes here? The whole episode, you're thinking, like, what, Sam's supposed to just be protecting a bigamist? Like, wh- <laughs> okay? The immediate stakes here are Sam needs to juggle two dates, like Peter Brady in the Brady Bunch when he had the Dracula costume on. But um, that's, that's as far <laughs> as they wanted you, because they just wanted to keep it at such a breakneck pace that, oh boy, what's next? Oh, here's another complication. Oh no, now they're passing each other in the lobby. Oh no, now they're doing each other's <laughs> hair. And I did like him hiding in the lobby with all his popcorn in his face. <laughs> Standing behind newspapers. One thing I have to say about the settings in this, I thought they were excellent. They had to be on location somewhere because it was such a sense of an actual theater. Anyway, the lobby part of it, to me, that didn't look yeah. like a set. And they had to be in mm. some kind of hotel, some kind of big hotel. Yeah. Every scene where they had like crowd work going on in the background looked so authentic to me. And I know that it's every bit of it is meticulously, you know, paced and blocked off and ready to go as soon as the cameras roll. But there was just an organic feeling about all of the sets here that made me think he was actually in Florida. Do we have any insight into where this one was shot? I know it wasn't Florida. Obviously, it was somewhere in L.A., but... Yeah, the Ambassador Hotel. Mm. Is that is that like an old historic hotel or... No idea. No idea. I thought you wrote the book. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I've got the sh- the shooting schedule in front of me, and the airport terminal courtesy desk is at the Ambassador Hotel as well, apparently. I'm trying to find the the cinema shooting day. The theatre lobby is downtown LA. That's all they've got. Yeah, so they they're at the theatre lobby uh, throughout all of day one, um, and that was uh, downtown LA. And then day two, uh, which is literally the day after. So yeah, it was 17th of November, 92. They spent the whole day in downtown LA, and then 18th of November, uh, they spent 
the first of several days at the hotel. Okay, now I'm gonna I'm going to do what every podcast listener loves the host uh, to do. I'm going to read Wikipedia. The Ambassador Hotel mm-hmm. was a hotel in Los Angeles designed by architect Marion Hunt. The Ambassador Hotel formally opened to the public on January 1st, 1921, with its Mediterranean styling, tile floors, Italian stone fireplaces, and semi-tropical courtyard. The Ambassador enchanted guests for over six decades. It says here that it closed down in 1989. I wonder if it was just derelict and they were able to use it as a shooting location. That sounds right. For a lot of productions. Hmm. Especially because it was old you know like not that hard to make it look uh, of the time yep yeah that sounds right and uh donald trump bought it and in 1991 he wanted to tear it down <sighs> to build a 125 story building and he sold off the platters with the hotel's eagle topped crest and beds and nightstands from the room yeah can't escape that Bam. Yeah. All oh. right. I'm. I'm just. I'm trying to watch my language. That <laughs> guy. Well, I'm. I'm. I'm glad it's not there anymore because I go to Los Angeles every year, and for a moment I was cursing myself and never having visited. But um, the, there's a school there now. This Ambassador Hotel. Now we're going to go to shades of a uh, JFK connection here. Um, Bobby Kennedy was shot three times in the pantry area of the hotel's main kitchen. Huh. And he was he died the following day, so that's where Bobby Kennedy was assassinated. Holy shit. Anyway. So I guess if it wasn't <laughs> if it wasn't a working hotel, that explains why they'd be able to dress up parts of it to look like an airport terminal. I feel like anything in LA that shuts down is open game for people who want to shoot yes. something. Because <laughs> yeah. Finding any sort of space. <laughs> yeah, it says hotel closed to guests in 89, but it remained open for filming and hosting private events. Yeah, especially a big hotel like that. You couldn't just like, with the budget they had. So there you go. Huh. So yeah, it was only, it was it was a seven day shoot and the first four days were on location. So, yeah. I mean, they made good use of that hotel, the airport area of the hotel, that they, the hotel part they made look like an airport looked like an airport enough to me. Yeah, I did not realize. I mean, I'm sure I did at the time, but... Can you tell me why? This is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in Quantum Leap. Uh, when Sam is talking to Al in the airport, they're standing in front of what is apparently a cigarette machine, and there's like a kid's drawing of a dog <laughs> yes. on the cigarette machine that says, I lost my dog, Radar. Why would a kid hang a drawing of a dog that he lost <laughs> in an airport lobby on a cigarette machine? I wonder if that was covering for something like there was like a logo or something or like a um, like you could see too much of like someone short like the mirror shot wasn't working out as well as they wanted and they kind of whipped that up real quick. I that or they just thought it would be fun set dressing. I don't know. <laughs> it just made no sense. It was so out of context. Maybe they got the little boy Bobby to uh, to draw something up for them. That was his name, wasn't it, Bobby? <laughs> Uh, I think it was Kevin. <laughs> I'm just not taking the bait. No. <laughs> well done. That was, that was the little girl, so I know. <laughs> I wanted to mention, Al had a new jacket in this episode, and it's the only time he ever wears it, as far as I, I remember. Really? Yeah, in the theater, he's wearing this, like, magenta outfit with these, like, 
pieces of this like gray leather. I don't really know how to describe mm. the, the texture of, of it, but um, yeah, that's the only time he ever wore that jacket. I wonder if that was a uh, Jacqueline St. Anne one. Have we switched to her yet, or is it still uh, Jean-Pierre Dorliac? Dunno, I think we have. Switched over? Yeah. Because I think his he was just in like the first handful, maybe? Yeah, she took over from the last episode, from Promised Land. Okay, yeah. So I guess that must have been one of hers. They they are reusing some Jean-Pierre Dorliac outfits. They have like the classic uh, white suit uh, from the Dryerlint portrait- and uh, and also from uh, the the leap home part one, Al wore that one. You're going to now that you're brought it up. Have to explain to new listeners what the Dryland portrait is. Have I not explained the Dryland portrait? I mean, not in a long time. <laughs> okay, I bought a, a portrait made out of Dryland of Dean Stockwell that was used for a um, Ripley's Believe It or Not pilot he hosted that never was picked up or aired. <laughs> I did a whole video series about it, trying to figure out what it was. <laughs> you know, the the lady who did it, um, Slater Baron. Okay, Slater Baron, who was the artist who did it, she was known as the Lint Lady. Uh, she did a ton of art pieces for uh, for Ripley's, believe it or not, and other uh, things uh, for, for Ripley's museums, I should say, or the, the buildings. And uh, yeah, she recently passed away, um, but her daughter... Uh, was messaging me about it. Like, she'd messaged me about, like, her last show and all this other stuff. Like, she really liked the videos and just seemed like a very lovely family. How nice. So that's the history of the Dryerland portrait. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and he was wearing, it was, they they based it on a Quantum Leap photo, which he was wearing the outfit he wore in um the the Leap Home and um in Leap Home Part 1. And also in this episode, the the white suit. And it comes full circle. And it comes full circle. <laughs> yeah, he had the that magenta suit in there. Uh, there was also like a, there was a bag that Rachel was holding with these like plastic grapes on them. It was like a purse that was decorated with plastic grapes. I didn't notice that. I was looking all over for radios in this one. I didn't see a one. Mm. A couple <laughs> old TVs, but no radios. Can I go back briefly to the, the point about the original history? Yeah, please. Because I, I've just been skimming through the if script. If you want to, to talk if... about something that's not pointless, yeah, <laughs> fine, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it... <laughs> I've been looking through the script, the, the the first draft script, and there's there's nothing. There's nothing. It's just exactly how it ended up in in the episode. But is there not an argument that okay? So Rachel goes on to marry a doctor. All three kids graduate college the fact that that didn't happen in the original history is that not potentially what he was there to fix usually something goes noticeably wrong that he has to stop and sometimes that leads to good things but is it not possible that in this the original history was that something almost happened that was good maybe rachel met this doctor but they never got together because she was already married but wouldn't Ziggy just mention that and be like, they need to get, like, they need to break up so that that can happen? But, yeah, but then the whole episode would be over because the the whole point is the twist at the end is that both of them. Yeah, well, I guess that's the them. point. Like, what is, why doesn't Ziggy know anything? And then, like, the, the ending is just like, well, what he had to fix was that, like, he was making everyone unhappy. He needed to cut Marty out of the picture. But, like... Like I don't know. Yeah, but there's a bun- there's a bunch of times in this show where Ziggy just doesn't seem to know what he's I there for. I guess that's true. It's this is not the first time that's happened. It's it's weird when it does, but 
It's inconsistent. It, it's strange that they don't mention that, like, that Sam doesn't ask. Like, he's like, yes. did he end up with any of them? Like, or did he break up with both? Or, like, what happened? Like, so that he knows what he needs to change. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you guys are right. I think in this case, it seems to me that Marty somehow continuously got away with it to the detriment of everybody involved. And Ziggy wouldn't know of the possibility. Think of how many, you know, infinite possibilities there are futures branching off for her to say, well, you know, in this one history, that's a minute possibility. She met this doctor who would be great for the kids. Yeah. But when Sam you know, does the old, uh, the whamma at the end and, uh, bends everything. All of a sudden these new histories start branching out and it becomes clearer what happens to both women. And I love the fact that all four kids wind up in a much better place. Yeah. I mean, I'm, the, the ending was a good ending. They were basically saying like, this guy needs to like fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, even though <laughs> what I didn't like, again, that he made the bundle on the lecture circuit and he really didn't seem to have any consequences. But I guess losing two families is is somewhat of a consequence. Wow. And the, and the third wife doesn't show up until the fourth draft script. They go through three drafts of this thing with just um, the last lines are goodbye, Martin, see ya, Marty. And then they kiss him and he leaps out. That would have been a better ending. Honestly, like, I, I guess they were trying to do like a, a funnier, like end on a laugh kind of right, thing, right. but yeah. it just, it felt kind of cornball. Hmm. Well, again, but the whole, the whole episode was cornball. That was, I think it's in perfect keeping with the, just the feel of the episode being farcical and not meant to be taken very seriously. The whole episode was like, if my wife catches me, I'm going to get hit with a frying pan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, Matt, yeah. did you write this goof on IMDb? <laughs> Wait, I was, no, but why? What's the goof on IMDb? February 25, 1958 is referred to as being a Friday. In actuality, it was a Tuesday. <laughs> to be fair, I'm sure that's in my book. That's absolutely the kind of thing. It has to be. I, I remember you writing a lot of these, like, these dates don't match up. <laughs> yeah, for, for the official timeline in my book, I, I've actually ignored the uh, the leap date as allegedly February 25th. I fixed the leap date to be February 21st because it's a Friday. <laughs> you fixed the leap date! Yep, I figure the, the caption is the... Because um, I, I don't know if they actually mention in the script the date. I think it's just the... Um, I think it's just the caption, so... Um, so yeah, I did that two or three times in the book where the, the, I figured the caption was wrong and, uh, I, I took a different date. <laughs> I was going through a weird time in my life when I wrote this book. All right. I, <laughs> I don't know if I can explain it. On, on hubris, if you ask me, <laughs> I am now the God of Sam Beckett's leap dates. I think they got it wrong. I'm going to change the date. <laughs> That's what you really meant. <laughs> People have contacted me about a, a, a small handful of mistakes in this book, which are all fair game. Uh, no one has contacted me to disagree with me about my fixing of the leap dates. So, Well, soon, just like Marty, your wings are going to melt because you came too close to the sun and you will fall to Earth. <laughs> <laughs> <Which> hasn't. <laughs> Don Belisario is going to come pounding on your door and he's going to be like, <laughs> Matthew Dale! <laughs> These aren't the dates we intended! <laughs> Matthew Dale! I know you're in there! 
I can only assume <laughs> the door that open. <laughs> Chris obviously hasn't read the section on foreknowledge where I correct a lot of his mistakes in that as well. <laughs> I can't wait to read that. <laughs> oh, boy. I didn't. I didn't. When we start reading the book, I'll I'll correct a lot of the bullshit that's in there. But uh, I just love it how I love it how when when Don Belisario is mad at you, he calls you Matthew by your full name. You know you're in trouble now. <laughs> I did actually correct the. Um, yeah, no, there is a leap date correction in your book. Sorry. Um. <laughs> oh, that's fine. I thought I got them all, but what are you going to do? No, it wasn't you. It was whoever wrote the back cover blurb. Oh, yeah, no, they, they did screw that up. They said 10 yes. years later or something like that. And I guess it just flowed better. I know exactly what you're talking about. Good. Good. Yep. Mm-hmm. See, if I was writing a book, I wouldn't even bother checking what day of the week it was. It'd be like, that day, it sounds fine. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> <laughs> I'd do a cursory Google search to be like, does this fit in this time period? Kinda. Yeah. All right. Sam you know, leaped in on February the 31st. <laughs> you know what we didn't have when I was writing my book? Google searches. <laughs> oh, why is that? <laughs> why didn't you have the Google or your smartphone? <laughs> Go ahead, say it. <laughs> no, let's not be mean to Chris. All right. We should respect our elders, which means... We owe him a lot of respect. <laughs> no matter how old we get, you'll always be older than us. So you always be like, old man. <laughs> That's fine. I say that to my wife all the time, so I guess turned about as fair play. <laughs> She's uh, only like six months older than me, but still. Yeah. <laughs> now that we've started personal attacks on one another, I guess um, maybe that says volumes about how much we have left to say about sweeties. Maybe we should veer into uh, some final thoughts thoughts matthew dale why don't you start (laughs) sorry it's it's set whatever date you say it's set um yeah my my feelings are unchanged and i'm i'm pleased i i did have a feeling an hour ago that um chris was going to take it to a very real place and i'd end up questioning everything but uh, no i still I still feel this is a this is a really fun episode. Uh, the comedy appeals to me, and it it takes a lot for farce to appeal to me. I I dislike farce quite a lot, but this one just works. And uh, there's some really sweet moments in it, and yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. It's nice to have a, a fun episode in the middle of season five. It's necessary. True to that, Allison. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I laughed. It's fine. <laughs> Sounds good. I mean, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I think that's all that they were going for. I laughed. And that's what this episode was specifically geared towards doing. But the more I thought about it and the more I I tried to figure out why I couldn't get on board with the comedy in it, even though it was evident and that was the main thrust of it. It's just the crappy things that Marty did and some of the underlying issues for his entire family that they have to face. I mean, it's just, it's just really dark stuff, but I know I'm not supposed to go there. So like Allison, it's fine. The only thing I'm still, I'm, I'm sorry, Al down with bigamy is just not Al to me. <laughs> I understand even le- leaning into his lecherous side for comedic effect, but that took it a step too far. So don't need to ruin Al, tale of two sweeties. Stop that. But other than that, like Allison said, it's fine. <laughs> it's it's a middling season five episode, and I wouldn't say don't watch it. You probably, you know, your mileage might vary because I'm a serious stick in the mud, as we all know. I'm old, right? So I think we just spent, what, 10 minutes establishing that? So that must be it. It must be I'm just too old <laughs> to enjoy anything anymore. 
It just feels like 10 minutes to you, Chris. <laughs> Uh, oh my god you guys are the worst okay with that (laughs) (laughs) i'm going to draw the curtain on tale of two sweeties and if you would like to tell us what you think about tale of two sweeties there are many ways that you can reach us here on the quantum leap podcast you can get us by phone at 707-847-6682 you can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail.com you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash quantum leap podcast and you can also follow us on twitter and instagram at quantum leap pod you might even decide to go the extra mile and support us on patreon at patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast just remember that we may use your response on an upcoming episode of the quantum leap podcast and speaking of upcoming episodes matt tell us what's next uh well not only what's next but what's what's coming up for the whole rest of the season this begins the start of an uninterrupted run of gimmicks i'm so happy that we can now get past the regular episodes and it's just going to be gimmick heaven starting with um some bra burning in liberation Liberation a gimmick episode. Yeah, I'm looking it, forward. No, don't answer. I'm looking forward to hearing your definition of gimmick on the next episode. I'm very confused by that description. <laughs> all right, as am I. That's so fine. That's we're fine. all gonna wait with bated breath. Oh, don't expect to. <laughs> oh, I never do, Matt. I never do. Until then, <laughs> I have been Christopher DeFilippis. I've been Allison Bregler, and I've been Matt Dale. And we'll see you next time with a frying pan. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap podcast, hosted by Allison, Matt, and Chris, with voice talent and contributions from Hayden McQueenie and Zoe Dean. Visit us at quantumleappodcast.com. To support the show, please go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. The executive producer of the Quantum Leap podcast is Albert Burge. Christopher DeFilippis and Hayden McQueenie are the co-executive producers. Morgan Felden and Charles Allen Gossard are the producers. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those of the Quantum Leap podcast, its partners, or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. Please visit barrenspace.com for this and other amazing content. The Quantum Leap Podcast is a Baron Space production. There's a, a, a car alarm going off, so I'm just <laughs> trying to give you stuff to cut out. <laughs> Do you want to wait a second? Oh yeah, I can hear it. I don't think it's recording on on uh, on your ends, but yeah. I'm just waiting. Yeah, oh, for I it. hear that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can hear yeah, it. Why, yeah, we'll wait for it. I don't want to make you guys sit. Or-
Oh, there we go. There okay, it, it stopped. Okay. You'll just have a little bit to cut out there. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Maybe I think that? this episode... What? Oh my gosh, now there's an ambulance. His <laughs> 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 whole uh... recordings are fast now. <laughs> it's, it's the comedy police. They're coming in. <laughs> 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 Doodly do 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 Homeboys and I'll be right back. <laughs> wow, Sam's a dick.